Welcome to the Jesus the Game Changer podcast from Olive Tree Media, hosted by Carl Fays. In today's podcast, Brian Rosner, principal at Ridley College in Melbourne, talks about the way in which Jesus spoke on money, how materialism affects the heart, and the importance of being generous. Brian, did Jesus have much to say about money? Well, absolutely. So the Sermon on the Mount, his most uh, famous um, ethical discourse, includes a big section on materialism and money. Mammon's the word that's used there. Yep. And uh, he also says at one point that uh, we should beware of all kinds of greed. Yeah. Was that different from the sort of culture that he existed in? Well, Jews, uh, building on the Old Testament, were similarly concerned about uh, trusting money instead of God. And it was, a, it was a pointy thing for them as well. It probably got ramped up with Jesus. But certainly over against the surrounding culture, the Greco-Roman world in which the early church emerged, mm. uh, uh, greed was a very common vice. So the early Christians and uh, early Jews, for that matter, critiqued the pagan world for three things, for idolatry, for sexual immorality, and for greed. And Jesus and Paul were at the forefront of, of that critique. Okay. So, Brian, money was an issue in Jesus' day, and it is now. Does money bring happiness? Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Because everyone's desperate for more of it. Um, I think the truth is not having enough money brings unhappiness. So that's certainly true. But there's a sense in which, and, and positive psychology has shown this, having more and more money doesn't actually add very much happiness. Um, psychologists talk about uh, habituation. So if I get a new computer, which I did some time back, big flat screen, huge thing, everyone who came to the front door, I had them come in and look at it. A couple of months later, it's just my computer. So I habituate to it. There's a sense in which the pleasure I gain from material things only reaches a certain point, and then it, it, it drops back. Is that what drives materialism? I think materialism's driven by a worldview. So people, which the word materialism tells us, think that material things are all there are. So all we've got is material things. So you may as well get as much material things as you can. Not everyone follows that through logically. So not everyone who doesn't believe in God, for example, um, is, um, is, is crazy materialistic. Um, but logically, that, that's where it leads to. Mm. So Brian, is materialism and greed the same thing? Well, materialism is really a worldview. It's saying that all, all that exists are material things. And it leads to, not inevitably, but quite commonly, to, to greed. And, and greed have, really has two sides to it. There's an insatiable appetite for more and more. And then there's a hoarding, a holding back and keeping and not sharing. Um, so they're related. And the other terms probably to throw in there would be um, consumerism, which is about uh, thinking that my life consists of my possessions and I need to get more and more of them. And hedonism, which is about uh, seeking pleasure at all costs. Why is contentment so difficult? Where does contentment fit into this? I think that well, there's a couple of problems with contentment, especially in our day. One is globalisation. So in the past, you lived in a village in traditional cultures. And when you compared yourself with others, they're all pretty much at the same level of perhaps one or two people had more than you. But these days, we compare ourselves with everyone across the world. And there's more potential for envy. The other problem with contentment is habituation. And it doesn't matter how nice your car is or how nice your sofa is or whatever, in the end you can only have one car or sit in one car at a time. You can only sit on one sofa at a time. So there's a sense in which, um, like it or not, uh, if we take a materialistic worldview, um, uh, getting more and more becomes a way of expressing our humanity. 
because to be human is to desire more of something. What did Jesus have to say about giving? Um, Jesus said quite a bit about greed and giving. Um, the, the most important statement, I think, in Jesus' teaching is where he says that uh, you can either serve God or money. So there's a sense in which money has a religious power, if you like. And that's one of the reasons, I think, that it's got such a grip on our culture and society. God's gone for many people. And in place of God, we put material things. So what we used to do with God, we'd trust God, we'd love God, we'd serve God. Um, what Jesus said was, even in his day, and even more so in our day, there's the potential to trust, love, and serve money instead. So in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, uh, um, uh, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Either you will love one and hate the other, you'll be devoted to one and, and despise the other. So there's love and service, and tr but, but trust comes through in the following verses where he says, look at the lilies, look at the birds of the air, God provides for them. Now, the Bible does talk about the fact that God gives us what we need. What's the line? I know this is really difficult. What's the line, therefore, between trust and, and, and trusting that God will provide? Yeah, it's, it's a, a, a difficult line to tread, but it's, it's called Christian discipleship. So, so Paul has a very famous passage in, in 1 Timothy 6 where he talks about this. He says that, instruct those who are rich in this world not to put their trust in wealth, but in the living God, and to be generous and willing to share. So there's a sense in which uh, we've got to express our Christian faith through our attitude to money. In the first century, that was done primarily through sharing possessions. So in the first century, hospitality and uh, um, allowing others to use our homes and feeding others, that, that was the way we expressed it. In our day, uh, we can still share our possessions, but money's much more of a transferable commodity. So there's a sense in which uh, generous giving can take other forms. Is there a way of kind of almost a, a bit of a thermometer on how you're going as a person and how, how content you are about your willingness to give? Is, is, do those two things kind of go together? I think so. I think most of us think if I had more money, I'd give more. Whereas the truth is um, giving more is about contentment. Because if I get a pay rise, I can always spend it. So there's a sense in which the New Testament teaches um, with respect to our giving, that it be proportional. So Paul says uh, on the first day of the week, set aside a certain amount of money um, and deliberate. Um, it's to be without compulsion though. So it's not like there's a, 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 a legal norm for our giving, but it's to be generous. And uh, there's a sense in which we're generous with our giving because God has been so generous to us. And the New Testament doesn't depict material things as evil in and of themselves. That, that's a mistake, I think. And the whole idea of uh, living in a monastery and harsh treatment of the body and denying ourselves things, it's really a Greek idea which separated body and spirit. Um, the New Testament, including Jesus and Paul and the other authors, see material things as part of God's good creation. But the problem comes when we elevate them to a point where they, they get trusted in um, in a way that really belongs, um, that, that really um, our trust should be in God instead, and we love them inordinately, and, we, we, and, and strangely we can end up serving them, which is an odd idea, but I think it's true. A lot of people who have lots and lots of toys, boats, and holiday houses, they think they're those things are there to serve them, but in the end, a lot of the time they end up serving those things. One of the challenging times in Jesus' life and teaching was when he said to someone, you've got to give it all away and follow me. Is, is that something that was for everybody? Um, 
it, it's very easy to look at that and kind of dodge it <laughs> to move around. It doesn't apply to me. But there is a sense it should be the case for some of us. And uh, for others, the commands from Jesus and the rest of the New Testament are about generosity and willingness to share. I think it goes to the heart of a person's identity. And you can see that in our day. Things are advertised by, um, for example, I saw the other day um, some real estate being sold with the byline, define yourself. And there was a watch being sold, Seiko watch. It said, it's not your hair, it's not your music, it's your watch that tells you who you are. So there's a sense in which at the core of our identity is our God. And uh, if God, uh, if the true and living God is in that place in our hearts and lives, then that will make a substantial difference to our attitude to money and the way in which uh, we can be content and also generous and willing to share. So if, if we put possessions at the, at the heart, God is taken out of that. And in that situation, it might be worth, those are the things we need to divest of. Yes, I think that's the case. Um, money, you might say, has a religious power today. Whereas in the past, um, many people looked to traditional religion and to uh, um, God and, and knowing him through Jesus Christ as providing security and satisfaction. And these days, in that vacuum, other things have rushed in. It's not the same for everyone, but for many people, it's material things. And the problem with all idols is they're gods that fail. So they don't bring the security and satisfaction that we hope for. Um, there's, a, there's a book by a Sri Lankan evangelical, Vinoth Ramanchandra, on idolatry, where the title's worth the price of the book, Gods That Fail. And that's the critique of idolatry in the Bible. It's, it's a folly. So the problem with trusting in material things and serving material things is that they will demean you and they will fail you. Whereas trusting in the living and true God is something that does bring lasting satisfaction and security. Isn't it intriguing that 2000 years ago, Jesus was teaching this to a culture that's so different from ours and yet the same thing still rings true. Oh, I agree, it's remarkable. And there's a sense in which this teaching is more relevant today than it's ever been because um, greed was a vice in the first century, both among Jews and Christians. Then in the Middle Ages, for example, you had the seven deadly sins and the top sin was pride when Gregory the Great put them together, followed by greed. But then greed took pride of place, if you like, in, in, in the later centuries. Martin Luther said we should pray against greed every day. But with capitalism, which brought many benefits economically to most people, uh, the virus of greed broke out, if you like, into an epidemic. Um, so everyone, was uh, greedy for more because there was the capacity to earn more and to have more. Whereas in the ancient world, you had a kind of limited goods society, an agrarian, an, an agrarian culture where people had their, their plot of land. And to get rich, you really had to take over someone else's plot. Whereas these days, at least we think, you can get rich without treading on anyone else. This series is called Jesus the Game Changer. Brian, how would you see Jesus the Game Changer? Um, Jesus changes the game with respect to, to material things in a radical way. He basically says that the danger of money and greed is that it can be a rival to God. Now, the beautiful thing about Jesus' teaching on money is this. He doesn't just say no to something, he says yes to something better. So in the Sermon on the Mount, for example, he says, don't run after and seek what you wear and uh, uh, what you're gonna put on and where you're gonna live like the Gentiles who don't know God. Rather, instead of that, what you need to do is run after and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So um, the solution to money for Jesus is not to stop wanting to get rich, it's wanting to get really rich. So rich towards God, that, that, that's the uh, challenge he brings. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. 
If you'd like to make a donation to support the radio, video and podcast ministry of Olive Tree Media, visit olivetreemedia.com.au forward slash donate.